Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Matt Johnson. We are back with another episode of the Pursuing Results Podcast, where successful people share one book that changed their life. We've got a great guest with us today talking about a really, really interesting book, and uh, we'll get to that in a second. But first, let me welcome in the uh, the man in gold, the junior grandmaster himself, <laughs> Greg McDaniel. What's up, man? We've gone over this on our other, our other podcast, Real Estate Uncensored. The gold jacket is for closers. This is the gold standard. Uh-huh. Goodness gracious, you keep beating me down for my for the success. Stop, stop beating me down. Stop being I the do. man, Matt. I do. Stop being the man. Out on the other show, you look like a uh, Century Twenty agent from nineteen seventy. <laughs> and it's a, and then you know it's retro, man. I'm bringing the look back. Everything goes in cycles. This is the new look. You're behind. You're behind the times in the black jacket. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think the next step for you is a nice burnt orange turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> I have no comeback. Yeah, that's right. we're, we're bring our guest in, Mark Mawinney. Mark, how's it going? Good. I have a uh, Don Johnson Miami Vice blazer in the same nice. color. And I'm the furthest thing from Miami and the East Coast of Canada here, but you know, I, I do have a Don Johnson blazer. So, dude, tell I me you better wear it. You've got to be go get it. We'll pause the you know the show real quick. You got to make sure you have gold chains and rock on the chest hair. Now we're now now that's, now that's, that's vintage. Important. It's a critical part of the white blazer. And yeah. you must have a Corvette. That's right. You must have yeah. a program. Maybe for Halloween, you know. You never know. <laughs> you never do that. I was keeping that in mind. I might do – maybe I'll do the Don Dungeon. Don Dungeon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the blazer with the sleeves rolled up. All right, anyway, let, let's, get, let's get into some value. Okay. So, Mark, first of all, just give us the brief, uh, like the 60-second bio on who you are, where you are, and what you do. Well, I'm with the Vice Squad down in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm a, I mean the Cliff Notes version. I'm a coach in Atlanta, Canada, and uh, really a business coach. And my my people are other coaches. So any those are the people I'm helping build their business because they're uh, they're the people who um, want to help the world, but they often need help with the business side. You know, a lot of coaches need help in that end. So that's what I focus on. That's kind of my mission and goal in life is to help them. That's awesome. You know, it's it's very very true. People, a lot of people like me have a big heart. They want to go, you know, you know, help the world and do stuff. Dude, I'm not that great at business. That's why Matt and I are such a good fit in our business endeavors together. You know, he's very good at that. And I think the value that you're bringing to to the coaches is tremendous on that end. So they actually can, you know, spread their wings and fly. Yeah. Well, Matt made a joke about Century Twenty One, and uh, I didn't work with Century Twenty One, but I was in real estate for a decade, starting at 21 years old. And uh, it's interesting how many parallels are between real estate and coaching. And I think that's one of the reasons my coaching career took off is I treat it like a business. Like real estate, if you don't get out there and prospect and you're going out of your cave every morning, you got to club something over the head and drag it back or, you know, (laughs) you don't eat for that day. Right. And uh, when I got into real estate, I was, man, I was 21. I looked about 14 or 15 years old. I seriously, anyone look at my business card, they'd be like, get that kid a sandwich because I look like 80 pounds and all that. I'm I'm shocked anyone ever hired me, but I made it work, you know, through my 20s and stuff like that. So I've taken a lot of the lessons from coaching or from real estate and actually incorporated them in coaching. So I'm grateful for the real estate experience. And I didn't have a corny yellow jacket from Century 21. Oh my God! What was it? Marge Simpson had a red jacket, I think, on an episode of The Simpsons with the murder house. If anyone's seen that one, I didn't have a red blazer or whatever. I'm getting merciless, mercilessly, you know, killed in our podcast today on this on this on this gold jacket, which is not gold. It's camel hair and it's tan. Oh, there you go. Gold. Yeah. See, I know style, Johnson. I'm wearing an Eddie Bauer. You know, look at this. Isn't anything terribly fancy? Don't don't feel bad, Greg. <laughs> I won't. I because I have a high level of respect for myself. Yeah. This show <laughs> brought to you by Eddie Bauer. No. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, let's get to before we get into the uh, uh, the book. If, if you're if you're listening to the show and you are in that world, if you swim in those waters where you're a coach or you're a consultant or whatever, and you grow, you want to grow your business. So there was one thing when I first was introduced to Mark, I went to his website and scoped him out, obviously as you as you do when you're introduced to someone. And I downloaded his ebook, The Real ABCs of a Successful Coaching Business, which is really good. So I'd encourage you go to NaturalBornCoaches.com, download that. Uh, it is really good. So if you're looking to build a coaching business, that that is uh, a very good resource, but um, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, so what I see in the coaching industry, and this is completely off topic, we'll get to the, the book in a second, um, what I see is guys that are that build a really successful business and then like uh, they step away from it they, or, they, or they scale themselves out so they're not in the daily production of it like real estate and they start to get into something like coaching. I see a lot of assuming it's going to take off in the same way that real estate did, but not a lot of remembering what it took for them to get the real estate business off the ground to begin with and forgetting that that's what it takes to get the coaching business off the ground too. Do you see that same thing? You just repeated my uh, whole entry into the coaching <laughs> business right there. <laughs> I thought, hey, I crushed it in real estate for a decade and stuff, and uh, I'll be fine for coaching or whatever. And then I'm like, oh, man, this is hard, you know. I don't want to do this this shit in my 30s. I did this when I was 21, you know. But, um, yeah, actually, it, uh, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I was – I was able to sort of course correct and remind myself that, hey, it's not easy to start any business or everyone would do it, right? But mm -hmm. I kind of forgot the days at 21 being a real estate agent, eating craft dinner and you know ramen noodles and lots of water. <laughs> 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 That's why I was 70 or 80 pounds at the time. And uh, yeah, then it reminded me pretty quickly banging my head against the wall and coaching. But uh, so many coaches come from like HR backgrounds and different places where they never had to sell at all teachers you know, and stuff like that. And they're like lambs being led to the slaughter. I just <laughs> warning them guys, you got, it's, if you can be the greatest coach in the world, the biggest heart, the best of what you do, if you can't sell, you're screwed. You know, it's just, you're not going to get enough clients through the door. And if you don't get, get that notion really quickly, you're going to be out of business and looking for work somewhere else. Yeah, it's really, really true. Anything in life you're selling, no matter if you're talking to a friend to go to get a, get lunch, or if you're talking to a girl at a bar, or if you're selling real estate, you know, you're you're selling consistently and knowing how to sell is selling yourself and working off your strengths, yeah. not your weaknesses, yeah. and making those stand out above everything else. But most people are always told, and correct, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, um, that, that a lot of people are told to work on their weaknesses, so they spend so much time working in the trenches on stuff that's not really going to get them anywhere. Yeah you know, and versus working on what they can really, really make themselves yeah. stand out. My, my girlfriend wants me to watch a chick flick with her on Netflix this week. You're going to see me selling. I mean, selling like a madman. The only time I've ever seen working on your weaknesses actually work. It wasn't even in real life. It was in Hollywood. Do you guys remember the movie with Russell Crowe, Cinderella Man? Yeah. He, he was boxing. a boxer and he messed up his right hand, right hand. He had a great right hook, but his left sucked. He couldn't jab or anything. And he hurt his, his right. So he had to go work on the docks lifting like bags of sugar or something. I don't know. Lifting all these boxes and everything. And his, with his left, because his right was all messed up. And his left got to be just as good as his right had been. So when his right healed, his left was just as good. And there his weakness actually became a strength. And he was a champion and all that. Um, I think that was based on true story. But that's very rare. Usually if someone's a 2 or 3 out of 10 on something, I tell them don't even – worry about that focus on your strengths you can hire that out right don't mm -hmm. don't waste time unless it's sales yeah if your weakness is sales get to get to working on that get but, but yeah 
it's too hard to, you know, you can move the needle a little bit. You can go from a three to a five or a three to a yeah. six or so, but is that the best use? I would rather, Hey, if you're an eight out of 10 on something, make it a nine or a 10 out of 10. I think you're going to be better served that way. Yeah. I, could, I, I agree with you hundred percent on that, you know, and that's why, again, that's why Matt and I partner so well together. You know, he allows me yeah. to focus on my strengths. He focuses on his strengths together. We, he and I are plowing ahead at a neck break speed on the stuff that we're putting out there. So who, who handled the fashion choices though? Whose strengths? Oh that? God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, we're done with the blazer. Yeah. I would hope that should that yeah, I was gonna say I would hope that choice would be obvious. But anyway. <laughs> oh, so, God. Let's get into the uh, the book a little bit. So, so thick face black heart. So take me back a little bit to uh, to what what did your business and what did your life look like when like when you encountered the book originally? You know, what's really interesting with this book is I read a ton. I've been reading, you know, for years, you know, since I picked up Think and Grow Rich back in high school, you know, I'd just been devouring personal development books. I never actually heard of this book until 20 early, I think it was 2014 um, oh. on Facebook. Uh, Travis uh, Sago uh, posted something that came through my newsfeed, just scrolling through. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I've never heard of that book. And the book was written in the early 90s by Chin Ning Chu. And it doesn't have that name recognition that Think and Grow Rich has or How to Win Friends and Influence People or The Seven Habits or any of these other books. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Couldn't find anywhere at the local bookstore. Even though I'm in Atlanta, Canada, we have a good-sized bookstore. It wasn't there, and I had to order it on Amazon. And um, I wish I'd heard of it before that because I went through a uh, bad business closure in 2009 in real estate. Not that there's ever a good business closure. But I had 100 <laughs> employees, and I, I had you know the local media kicking me, and everyone you know treating me like Hitler there and stuff. And, and, and then so I was going through a really rough time in 2009, and this book would have been perfect to have back then but I'm just grateful that I at least discovered it uh, about you know around 2014 and um, was able to incorporate the lessons now uh, for the last few years what are some of the correlations between the those big names that you just mentioned and in the in this book I mean what you know you know thick face black art I mean what was what was the biggest correlation that you saw um, you know, it's interesting. I, the way I explain this book when people say, oh, I've never heard of that book. What's the deal with it? I say it's a cross between Think and Grow Rich and The Art of War, you know, Sun Tzu. Really? Um, that, which is strange, you know. It's, um, it, it's almost the opposite of the typical book that's in the personal development, motivational coaching space, which is very woo-woo. You know, like love your haters and hug them and everyone sing Kumbaya and dance around, a, you no. know. And singing songs and, you know, I literally there, there's a guy who, you know, maybe he's a great guy or whatever. His whole thing's hug your haters, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, why am I going to friggin' hug my haters, you know? No thanks. I'll use them to motivate me, but I'm not going to love them to death. And I hear that in my world, like, you know, oh, hurt people, hurt people. Don't hold it against them and try to reason with them. And all these people are acting like Neville Chamberlain with um, Hitler when he was ceding all the territories and stuff. Oh, just keep giving yeah. them more. They'll eventually, you know, they'll like you, they'll like you or whatever. And these haters, they're like, you know, they're, they're, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to try to convince haters. I just use them for motivation. And then, uh, mm -hmm you know, get a thick skin because you need it. In the real world, it's not all sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. No, it's not. And you know, when you do hate, when you get haters, that means you're doing something right because exactly. you're starting to yeah. ruffle feathers and going upstream. You know, yeah. I, when I'm doing all of the stuff that I'm doing out there, when I get someone like blasting me, I'm like, dude, you made my day, homeboy. Thank you very much because I know that I'm doing, going on the right path. But people use that as a negative energy against them. Like, oh my God, I'm supposed to have everybody like me. That's yeah. bullshit. Okay, that's no. cool. exactly. Well, I started doing daily emails back in April of this year, so I've done it for over six months and you know, hundreds and hundreds of the emails. You want to talk about people being rubbed the wrong way when you start emailing them every day? 
But I don't care. I'm not looking at the unsubscribe saying, oh, my God, Joe Smith unsubscribed from Boise, Idaho. And, you know, he said something mean about me. I get some weird tweets sometimes and stuff like literally people like at Mark Mooney, I hate you. You know, I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> Who the hell are you? you know? <laughs> like, OK, you hate me. That's your personal problem. Well, whatever. Yeah, weird. yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I went to a, an event here in East Atlanta, Canada back in 2011 or tw no, sorry, it's 2012. Donald Trump came to town with a few other people. And mm -hmm. uh, now with everything going on with the controversy, you know, the things with Trump, they, they were literally attacking people that went to this event and used a hashtag at the event back in 2012. And I'm thinking, man, I didn't know back in 2012 there'd be video coming out about him grabbing, you know what, and all this other things. I didn't plan on it when I tweeted a motivational quote, he said, but yeah, it's someone literally say like, oh, you wow. know, uh, keep it classy at Mark Mooney, you know, you friggin' pervert, blah, yeah, blah. You went to a Donald Lord. Trump event. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, Twitter. Back, back when he wasn't a politician. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he was just a highly successful business person that maybe have something valuable to say, or at least he did at one time. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah there, was a, there was a great, great quote from the book that's like a perfect illustration of this and that caught my eye. So most of us were taught that when someone slaps you, you should turn the other cheek. This is not always the best course of action. There's a time to submit to being slapped, and there's a time to hit oh, back sure. twice so you won't get slapped again. Uh, dude, there's a no. You kick him in the nuts, you punch him in the throat, and you step on him when they're drowning. Yeah. Well, the business world's a lot like the jungle. They can, um, or you know, out in the wilderness, they can uh, sense weakness, right? So if mm -hmm. you take that approach, turn the other cheek, and all this stuff, they can sense that they're going to eat you alive. And it sounds very cynical, but that's what Chin Ning Chu is arguing in this book: is you're better off recognizing, hey, the world isn't a perfect place. Mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be people out there to drag you down. They're going to try to ruin you. And if you can get your head wrapped around that, then you re can respond better as opposed to crying under your sheets, you know, at <laughs> night and but eating ice cream, crying yourself to sleep on the pillow. Why doesn't yeah, Joe Smith from Boy? Idaho like me, you know, or something like that. Oh, that's yeah, funny. And, and that's, it's hard to keep in mind, but yeah, I, I see that a lot with people. So when you recommend a specific course of action, and Greg, you deal with this a lot, I'm sure, in, you know, in the McDaniel Challenge and stuff like that, when you're, when you're coaching people, like you'll tell them to do something and then you hear back, well, hey, why, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you? Why didn't you go out and get that triple line dollar? Why aren't you making phone calls? Well, I, I called somebody and, and they said that they're on the do not call list, and they yelled at me. Yeah. It's like, oh my god! And and then and, quit being yeah. a bitch. Stand up, grab your balls, and go out and do it again. Because you know what? Like Mark is saying, it's not a pretty world out there. That you know, the, the the you're gonna get what you earn and what you work for, not what you think you are entitled to. So when people actually like when I when I was down to thirty five dollars to my name, I could have been you know hiding under my under my sheets eating ice cream, you know whining why didn't the world give me a better shot. Well, it's because I, then I manned up, took responsibility for everything, decided to fight back, and no one was going to tell me I couldn't do it. And the haters were empowered me. Every time I got a hater telling me I couldn't do it, won't do it, and everything else, it made me grow even stronger. I got two compliments the other day, Matt. And Mark, you're, you're going to love this too, man. These Two of these gals that when I first started off doing this stuff with Matt, they told me I couldn't do it. Flat out told me I couldn't do mm. it. And so I'm like, really? I can't do it? Blank you. I'm doing it, charged ahead, and I heard from one of them the other day, she's like, I'm so proud of you, you're following your jam, like, bitch, you tried to rip <laughs> me, you tried to shut me down, and now you're all on my bandwagon, yeah. you know, that, you know. but I, I, I love, I tell my story, Mark, about mm. the people that tried to take me down, and what, the, what pushed me, and every single time I tell that story, people come up to me privately, and sometimes in public, and they're like, hey, dude, I, uh, I kind of got the, I kind of got the same story. 
And I'm like, that's awesome, man. Let's talk about this. Let's, let's work together. And people feel empowered when they know that there are other people around them that are going through the same things. I mean, you, you've got to see that in, in your coaching. Stuff, oh, right? man. For after 2009, I would not Google myself. They called it ego <laughs> surfing because it. I literally look like the worst human being in the world. You swear I killed somebody or did like <laughs> – uh, it was just – I'm in the part of the world that if a cat gets stuck in the tree, they run front page stories about it, right? And it's a part, it's a part of the world if uh, a business closed, doesn't matter if it's a restaurant, a clothing business, anything. Ooh, the big bad business owner did this on purpose. He screwed over the little guys who are out of a job, and he's a big bad guy, right? Oh, and uh, it, it's, it's really bad. It got really silly. I couldn't get a parking ticket without the newspaper running a story. And I thought, piss off, you know, these, you know, yeah. anyways, I, we won't get started about the media, at least <laughs> the, local, the local media, I don't have a lot of respect for. But, yeah. um, you know, I use that as, as motivation. And um, it's interesting, because now people who there are some people that ran me down, I know, from th heard it through the grapevine back in 2009, 2010 and stuff that have come around. And I had one recently asked me to write a reference for a job uh, that they're going for. And I thought, you know, that's interesting. Uh, I haven't responded to that one yet. I left it in the inbox or whatever, but I'm like, this person was running me down five, six, seven years ago, you know, now they yeah. want something from me. But when people think they can get something from you, they're on the gravy train, the gravy train stops and they jump off then they may come back on That's human nature. Yeah, it, it really is. And you got to be when you when you, you guys and gals that are watching us live and in on the recording, you know, be careful on when you rise to success because you're going to get aunts and uncles and nephews and cousins and best friends, you know, twice removed that you've never met before. They're coming and gonna kind of want to, you know, get on that gravy chain train with you. But Mark, what Mark was saying is once that thing stops, they evaporate like water on a hot day. So be careful of those things and don't get sucked down. Stay true to what you were doing to get you to that level. Never trust anybody. The moral of the story. Yeah. <laughs> I sound, we sound like cynical people, but it's true. My, my faith true. in hum, humanity was uh, was suffered after going through all that, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it, it, it speaks to the fact that you're, like, your confidence and your sense of self, like, has to come from yourself because the, the, like the outside, the gravy train, the outside validation and all that stuff, there's so much of it that's out of your control. Uh, I mean, I was just talking with a guy, he was a new client and he was telling me about a financial advisor right here in San Diego who was uber, uber successful and uh, somebody got jealous and somebody turned him into, I believe it was FINRA or something like that. But they dug in and they found something that was a, they deemed a compliance issue and essentially what? ended his career in financial services, just what? like that. Uh, God, yeah. those are the type of haters you want to step on. Yeah, yeah. Well, those those are the type of haters you want to step on. You want to come full back, back full force and sue them and stuff yeah. like that. But uh, yeah, just it, it goes to show you that you know, that, like you can get on a roll and things like that, and there's still there's still elements of it that are outside of your control, and you can't base your confidence and sense of self in all the external success because that can go away, even though you as a person may be a successful person in doing the right things. Yeah. You know, well said. There's yeah. a quote. So, I, let's uh, talk about being uh, like one of the things he talks about, um, or the book talks about, is if you're not concerned about the outcome, you'll experience no fear. So, did that? I mean, that's something that I've had to like really come to grips with. Did that? Did that make much of an impact on you? 
Yeah, she talks about uh, detachment, the importance of almost uh, treating your life like it's someone else's, that you're mm -hmm. stepped away from it and you're doing it that way. Um, you know what's interesting with me is for the most part, even after I went through not one but two business closures, 09 and then again in 2012 in case I didn't get the lessons from the first time around. <laughs> you know, the universe gives you hints or whatever. It wasn't a little tap on my shoulder to say, hey, Mark, get out of real estate. It was like a, you know, slap, like, you know, get back out. But, um, to the head. It's interesting for me. I think I hit a point where I'm like, you know what? I've dealt with bankruptcy, uh, losing everything. I had, you know, a lot of money. I had the fancy cars, I had the house, I had everything else and losing it all. And I thought, what the hell do I have to lose? I'm down here anyways, you know? The, um, those critics aren't going to be happy if I'm living in a cardboard box in a ditch somewhere or they're going to feel the same way that way or if I'm worth tens of millions of dollars. So I would rather be worth a ton of money and be successful, be happy than living in a ditch to try to placate them. And, and that's the approach that I take. But detachment's very important because if you get too wrapped up in that, um, that result and then it doesn't happen or at least doesn't happen right away, then it's going to kill your motivation. You're going to get all screwed mm -hmm. up in the head and then you're never going to do anything. Yeah, you, you and I went through the same thing. I had two cars, two houses, took lavish vacations, you know, luxury, everything. We'd spend like $1,000 at dinner on Tuesday because it was a Tuesday, right? Went bankrupt. Well, I never spent 1000 bucks on dinner, so. <laughs> uh, I did a couple of times. And yeah. it's more to be a show off and a pompous ass. But, I mean, the point is, is that you, when you get knocked down that low, you have nowhere else to go. So why not fight for what you really want to do? Yeah, you, you know. see the people sitting in their cubicles that they'll never go through massive failure, but it's because they never try anything, right? So it's easy uh, to so sit true. on the sidelines. I mean, Teddy Roosevelt has that great uh, quote about the critic and the man in the arena and all that stuff. And it's true, like they'll, they'll sit in the sidelines. So yeah, they never go through any big, um, you know, stumbles like you or I did, but uh, they're never going to achieve anything anyway. So I've always said, um, I said this actually to my ex-wife about it because she got a little bit burnt out on entrepreneurship going through all this stuff. And I said, I don't care if I, f I fail 10 times, I'm just going to keep doing it. You know, I don't 15 times now, I'd rather not go through that again and knock on wood, things are going great. But um, I would rather do that than just give up and go get a nine to five job and say, I'm never going to try anything again. Well, yeah, safety is sure. the quickest path. Well, safety is the quickest path to mediocrity. And mm -hmm. I refuse to be media mediocre in my life. I, yeah. I want to be the best I possibly can. And I'm willing to do what it takes just like you are. And the people who are watching us now, like again, live and then on the recording, they're going to be willing to do the same thing. Hmm. At least we're going to help them get there by reading the book that you that we're talking about. Us three are crazy. So if anyone else is thinking, <laughs> why nuts for going in business? Seriously, I, I'm sure. And that's why when I said wife, I said ex-wife, that's probably why we're no longer married. I don't blame <laughs> we, we get along great, but I'm a, I'm crazy. And I wouldn't be easy to be married with, be, uh, married to because I'm just like, okay, I'm going to keep going for it. You know, I'm, a, I'm not that way. I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, never, you never, ever, 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 ever stop trying. Richard Bronson, Branson, Thanks. Sir Richard Branson, I might say. Um, you know, that guy's failed so many times in businesses. Epic yeah. fails. But he's also had epic wins. You know, Babe Ruth, yeah. not, you know, strikeout king, home run king. You know, because they didn't care. They just went for their goals and they, they were willing to fight through the adversity. This is what bugged me and not to go all political. I'm in Canada, so I, I try to stay out to keep neighborly relations with the U.S. <laughs> but when I heard one of the debates, Hillary talked about Trump's business closures and bankruptcies and stuff, I'm thinking, how many jobs did you actually create? I have more respect for someone that goes out there and tries to create something. Don't sit back and say, you know, someone that sucked off the government teat for, you know, doing public jobs and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, you know, he's gone out there, he's tried things it's never going to work out if you if you're in business for 40 years or more 
you're going to have those black marks. It's just, it's natural unless you're running a three or four man plumbing company somewhere and you try to, you stay, you know, small or whatever. But if you're going for big things, you're going to have failures and stuff. So not talk about all the other stuff with Trump, but on the business end, don't bash him based on that stuff because that he's out there, he's creating jobs and he's trying to do big things. Yeah. I would totally agree with you. Yeah. hundred percent. So what, uh, what else about the book? So we talked about detachment from the outcome and, uh, and you know, how to handle your haters and your critics and things like that. What are some of the other things that made a big impact? And uh, so take us like 2014, you're growing your coaching business mm. and stuff like that to other coaches. What, is there anything that's really informed your approach? Uh, I mean, we could do five hours for the show. And like, do you guys, want, <laughs> you guys want to stay on for five hours? Uh, no. um, I'm free. <laughs> Matt, you free? I'm good as well. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, man. One of of the biggest things I took from that book, and I always remember, she talks about near the end of the book, uh, the leapfrog theory. And um, to make a long story short, uh, what that is, is I saw parallels with my story and with her story. So when she she came over uh, to the United States years ago and with just a suitcase with, with books and stuff from Asia. And uh, she settled at one point in Portland, Oregon, and she won a position that I believe she was an ambassador to help um, uh, to drum up relations with Chinese business people or something like that. And I guess a lot of people in Oregon, in Portland, Oregon, wanted that position. And they really ticked off and they started running her down and trying to trip her up behind the scenes like we talked about yeah, you know, yeah. in our situation. And she got just so frustrated because she's getting tripped up everywhere she was going by these petty, small, jealous people. And what she decided to do is she decided she was going to leapfrog them. So she said, you know what? I'm not playing in this small sandbox of Portland, Oregon. I'm going to actually leapfrog them and I'm going to write books for the world. It's going to be teaching uh, Western business people how to incorporate Asian business principles into their their practice. And I'm going to teach... Asian business principles to people here and I'm going to write for the world. I'm going to go. And she ended up going on Larry King a bunch of times. She wrote for, you know, her books were seen all over the world. So she no longer uh, had to worry about the people in Portland, Oregon. They couldn't haul her down. And it's the same way that I saw it with mine. I was dealing with a small city in Atlanta, Canada with roughly a hundred thousand people who were tripping me up everywhere trying to trip me up everywhere I went. And the transition to coaching has been interesting because I don't have any local clients. I've had, I have one local client now who came to me by accident. It's a coach who heard my podcast. The rest are mostly in the U.S. They're in uh, Dubai, the U.K. They're all over the place. Hmm. So the petty people who are trying to trip me up and run Mark into the ground have no effect on me anymore. So I've used the leapfrog theory to uh, jump past them. And as years go on, I'm going to jump past them a lot more as well with stuff i got planned. So they're going to be really, really pissed off. But we'll see. <laughs> Good. That's, that's vindication like, for you. Like I'm jumping that. from my lily pad, you know, like, you know, <laughs> jumping over them. <laughs> and you know what when they actually see that then they're probably going to just like that other guy right He's, you know gal or whoever that is that they wanted the recommendation or whatnot they're probably going to come into you because they're going to as you ascend they're going to be either plateauing or descending uh or climbing at a much slower rate so they're gonna be like oh damn i gotta go talk to mark man you'd be like sorry homeboy um i got it's a freckle past the hair and i got a meeting somewhere it's just not here mm. you know and they're gonna re- re- regret the, the hating you know because it only brings negativity into your life Right. Protecting yourself is good, but being negative out into the world is not the, not the way you'd want to run. I, I said this to people before when I was going through all that controversy, 2009, 2010, carried on even in 2011, 2012. 
uh, a lot of, um, not all, you know, I still get along with some of my ex-employees and stuff, but some of them were spending all their time running me down and worrying about me and stuff. And I thought, I, I wish I could coach them and say, focus on the future, don't focus on the past. And even with my own life, that's when it really took off with the coaching stuff. So when I started to put more energy in the future than in the past. So there's a period there that I was, you know, grumbling, oh, how could this person do that? And oh my God, I heard this about this person stuff. But once I said, you know what, I'm done with that. I'm moving on. That's when yeah. my life and my business really took off. So I always make sure I'm focusing more on the future than on the past. You know what? And I think that, you know, there's nothing you can do about the past. Hmm except for learn from it, right? But people dwell in it because they say, this is who I am, this is my identity. And the difference is, is like, no, that's what your identity was. Mm. The future is completely up to you. You can make a switch decision and become a different person. I look back three years ago, guys, and I was, I'm a 100% different person than I was just, just a mere three years ago. So what could you do today to change your life tomorrow? But what book could you pick up? Like Mark picked up this book. Matt's picked up, you know, books. I picked up podcasts or audiobooks. <laughs> don't, don't you smirk at me, Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you called yourself out. I didn't say anything. Nothing wrong with audiobooks. I love audiobooks. <laughs> yes. In your face, Matt. I, I'm oh. not feeling the blazer, but I love audiobooks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> raising me up just to push me down <laughs> I, i'm one of those haters you can leapfrog me now use yes, it to motivate exactly. he's, he's gonna go full on gold suit next i, I am yeah. i'm just to piss you guys off i'm gonna yeah. go buy a gold zoot suit with a hat and a cane the whole the whole nine yards with a gold chain i'll yeah, be golden do you guys ever see the show billions no. I love oh yes 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 well, there's one of the uh, the financial guys in Billions that had haters, and when he made his first million, he made a copy of the check, and he sent it to these people from high school or whatever. <laughs> nice. So you can do that for me there. I'll give you my address in Canada. There. <laughs> you, don't you tempt me. I will actually go down and try on a zoot suit, all, all gold, and be like, there you go, pal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go oh, I, the fireplace. Happens. Uh, if you attain some massive level of success, Greg, I'll open my door one time and Amazon will drop off a box. I will open up and it will be like a Barbie scale model of a golden jacket. <laughs> this is for you, Johnson. It'll fit perfectly. <laughs> oh, my God. That's really right. so, uh, so last question for you, Mark. What, um, give me some sort of um, like a creativity or a thought-inspiring, like thought-provoking type of question that you ask yourself on a regular basis either to keep you on track or just to spur some, some creativity, some new thoughts about your business. Yeah, I mean the question that's never far from my mind is am I playing big enough? Because there's always that, um, t that temptation as humans to sort of pull back a little bit and have our foot on the brake in addition to the gas, which doesn't work. So mm -hmm. there's another book, which I don't know if you focused on on the show yet or not, but the 10X Rule, Grant Cardone. I love that mm -hmm. book. And uh, the 10X Rule, that's what he talks about. Make sure you're playing big enough. So whatever your goal is, 10X it. You know, and uh, the old the analogy that I hear often is instead of shooting for a hundred thousand dollars, and you sure. may hit it, maybe you don't shoot for a million dollars because even if you do seven or eight hundred thousand, didn't hit your goal, but you're a heck of a lot further than if you're shooting for a hundred thousand. So that's a question I'm always asking myself: Am I playing big enough? And sometimes I catch myself when I set a goal to say, No, man, I got to go a lot more than that. And um, yeah, that that's the question. Do you, right, um, so do you do you set okay. yourself? Do you set a BHAG? Are you familiar with? Of course, yeah. Big hairy audacious goal. goal. Yeah. I have a I had a, a Zillow CTO or CFO or whatever was speaking at Tom Ferry's event uh, years and years ago, back in 2013. And he he set a goal, but he went and wrote it in lipstick in his wife's lipstick in the in the shower. <laughs> so I'm like, 
oh, it's not a bad idea. So I went down and got red lipstick. Awkward, awkward purchase. It's <laughs> a good color. <laughs> it's just like, um, yes. Yeah. So I went and I wrote down my BHAG and it freaks people out because I said, I, Greg McDaniel's net worth is going to be more than $650 million with more than $100 million in liquid cash at all times. People think I'm crazy, but you know what? I don't know how I'm going to get there, but even if I screw up and I get 300 million, oh, rat farts, 300 million. <laughs> well, that's a, heck of a lot more exciting than most people. Like, oh, I want to do $200,000 a year. Right? That's so boring. Yeah. No, <laughs> <Grow exactly. something. laughs> Let's do I, this. I'm always, um, and that's something that's been pointed out in this part of the world, because it's, it's a conservative part of the world. People here are put in boxes where you're an insurance guy, you're a banker, you're a lawyer. And they, they, I, people ask me what I do. I say I'm a coach and I have a podcast. They look at me like I have two heads, right? You know, like <laughs> a Martian or something. So, so when I tell goals like here, you know, that people here, it's like, ah, if you're making 70K a year, now 70K Canadians, like God, like 50K US. 55 don't don't get me started on our dollar they're like yeah 70k a year that's fine or whatever i'm like screw that you know and grant cardone talks about it in the 10x rules that middle class is not a goal to be going for because middle class are under pressure and they're in rough shape they're going to be mm -hmm. fearful and going through a lot so i love uh b hags and stuff like that um, i don't have a lot of chest hair for big hairy adation <laughs> it's not coming up over here but uh yeah i love hairy goals <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, I'm gonna no i'm not gonna show that no i'm not <laughs> yeah let's let's open this up guys now uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's, our, let's really bare our chest gentlemen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right and, and quick follow-up question so uh, on on the question that you ask yourself, how do you know when you are playing big enough? Are you gauging it by fear? Are you, like the, the discomfort that it causes you or having to step outside your comfort zone or what's kind of the measuring stick for you? Yeah, I think the fear is definitely a big one. So if I'm fearful, I know that that's probably a good sign, you know, and if I'm not afraid, then I'm not pushing far enough. Uh, so that would be a big part of it. Um, I mean, the other one that I uh, tend to, um, I think everybody deals with this is they tend to compare themselves to other people. And then they also try to get, uh, work out the numbers in their head. So if they set a goal, uh, Greg, like you had mentioned, what was your goal? Uh, three uh, net worth of uh, over $650 over million. Over 650 So what they would start to do is say, how would I get to 650 And okay, I'm going to do that. And then they get work in the numbers and oh, no, no, this mm -hmm. doesn't work, whatever. You almost have to not overthink it in a way. And I know that humans are by nature, we want to overthink. We want to know how exactly are we getting to that 650 million. You'll never know right now because things are going to change. New opportunities will pop up. You'll change focus a little bit and stuff like that. So that that's the other thing to look for when you're setting it. But I think fear is mm -hmm. definitely a, a very good uh, indicator. Um, I always want to be fearful because <laughs> you're not growing if you're not afraid, right? And uh, I don't want to be too comfortable. Yeah, it, it's very true. I mean, when I when I look at my goals and my dreams, I if I my palms don't start sweating, my heart starts pounding, my, the back of the, the hair on the back of my neck stands up, and I have no idea how to get there. I know that I found the right thing, and that's different for everybody, right? It, I mean, the six hundred fifty million dollar net worth with more than a hundred million in liquid cash that could totally be like, eh, whatever to some people, maybe family time, whatever it is. But if you have, but if you just let the universe take control of it and not try to overthink it opportunities will open up to you i mean uh, like i have another saying in my uh, in my uh, shower that i didn't write in lipstick otherwise my whole lip my whole bathroom was, you know pink red lipstick but it says i greg mcdaniel starring and own an award-winning chart topping breakout of the box success podcast tv shows and radio shows that inspire educate and entertain tens of millions of people on a monthly basis to attain to live the life of their dreams my annual income is 50 million dollars 
I wrote that yeah. before our podcast were taken off and everything else. So if you just put it out there, don't overthink it and let, the, let it come back to you. It will come back to you. Mm. Well said. Very cool. Yeah. All right, guys. So, uh, so Mark, remind everyone of how they can touch base with you, especially the coaching jungle on Facebook. Yeah. Best spots, uh, naturalborncoaches.com is the central hub. And then uh, we've got the Facebook group that you mentioned. There's uh, currently roughly 3,000 coaches in there. It's growing every day. And that's uh, the best spot is go to thecoachingjungle.com. It'll forward right to the Facebook group. And we'd love to have you in there. If you're not a spammer and you don't post porn links on the wall, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we were off air. We were discussing a rather colorful yes. event that I, we went through. And, uh, yeah, please don't post those. That's nasty. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will uh, we'll wrap that one up. And I uh, just want to encourage everyone to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher if you like the audio version. If you like the video version, if you're watching this on YouTube especially, make sure to subscribe on YouTube. That way you get all the future videos and all the awesome interviews that we're doing. And uh, the book is Thick Face, Black Heart. Uh, it is a really, really, really great book. And uh, you should go order it immediately. It's from the early 90s, so it's literally a penny on Amazon. So there's no excuse. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's no excuse not to add it to your library and, and learn from it. There's a lot of really, really great stuff in there. And uh, so anyway, like I said, with that said, we'll let everybody go. We'll kind of put a ribbon on this episode and we'll see everybody on the next edition. See you guys. <laughs>